0: Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Amen. So let's get into the word of God. As you know, a few months ago, it almost seems crazy, but we started this series called Blessed and, and, and walking in the fullness of the blessing of God. And, and in part of that uh, blessing, we talked about how our obedience to God's word activates the blessing. Now, the blessing is not things. It's not stuff. Oftentimes, we get caught up in the fruit of the blessing, but the blessing is a mantle. It is a supernatural grace and favor that that God places over our lives that that causes us to prosper, that causes us uh, uh, to to be blessed, that causes us to, to be fruitful. In fact, that's what I was talking about. How Andy, you know, who would have thought that this young man in in a small town in the valley, San Benito, Texas, where they didn't even have a Starbucks, like Eagle Pass, got their Starbucks. Before. Before San Benito did. And here is this young man that was faithful out shepherding in the field. Now God is, is opening up some, some major doors. Some of the some of the names that, that we talk about, and, and we're like, dude, they really want you to go play, and they want you to be a part of their worship and their church, and they want you to be a worship director. I'm like, those are the guys that I watch on, on YouTube and, and stuff. So, but but that's what happens. That when when you walk in the fullness of the blessing of God in your life, it doesn't matter where you're playing planted. It doesn't matter where you are. You are always going to prosper. You are always going to rise to the top. We saw that in Moses's life. We saw that in Joseph's life. We saw that, we see that in Daniel's life. We saw that in David's life. You know, we saw that in Shadrach, Meshach, in Abednego's life. Just, just something happens. It doesn't matter where you are. You may find yourself in, in obscurity and anonymity. Man, I can't believe I said that. And, uh, it came out right. Uh, it doesn't matter where you are when you have the blessing of God on your life you're just gonna you you're going to, to to prosper and and part of that obedience is walking in generosity now now every time you you choose to be generous there is a war that is raging between generosity and greed I call it this dichotomy how you have how these two opposite ends of a spectrum that are con- constantly at war. When you choose to be generous, let me tell you that the enemy called greed is always going to rear its ugly head. It's always going to try to show up. And so every time you try to walk in generosity, greed is always going to try to stop you. Greed is going to try to stifle God's blessings over your life. And so over the course of the last few weeks, we have been delving into what we call the three levels of of generosity. And the first level of generosity is obedience. That's where it starts. That is elementary level. There there is nothing under that. Anything under this level is disobedience and unfaithfulness to God. And this is how we are obedient with our tithes and and our first fruits. This is where it starts. And for us, Tithing is giving God our first, but we're not necessarily giving God anything. We are only returning to God what belongs to him. Now, tithing is something that should be done. Our obedience should be done out of a grateful heart, not out of a legalistic mind, not out of fear, not out of of if, if I don't do it, then something bad is going to happen. It should come out of a heart of Gratitude, and and so we understand that obedience activates the blessing. So that's where we have to start. But the Bible tells us and teaches us this principle that obedience is better than sacrifice. But we have to start at obedience because when we walk in obedience, God will activate that supernatural grace and favor. Over your life, and let me just tell you: over the last few weeks, I have heard testimony after testimony. People have been sharing. Pastor, let me share this with you. I, I I didn't believe in giving, you know, or I wasn't giving like I was supposed to. But the moment I started, let me tell you that God has has blessed me. God has opened up doors. I've gotten promotions. I've gotten I've gotten raises. I've got let me, it. Just all kinds of amazing things have happened when when I started obeying God. Because why obedience activates the blessing. Other people will call you lucky, but you know that it's just the blessing of God of your life. Then we had level two, and that's where we talked about sacrifice, and this is our offerings. So along with the tithe, God requires offerings. Now understand, right now, if this is your first time here, maybe you just started visiting a few weeks, you're like, man, this pastor, all he does is talk about money. Right now. But why? Because understand my heart is that I want you blessed. I want you to walk in the fullness of the blessing of God. And offerings, the Bible teaches us that offerings are the seeds that we sow in the kingdom of God. And understand when I talk about offerings, I'm not just talking about giving to the church. Yes, you can give an offering to the church. Yes, you can give an offering to the pastor, just saying. You can give an offering to a radio program or a TV ministry or a missionary. But you can also give offerings to other members of the body of Christ. When you when you bless a son or daughter in the kingdom, the Bible says that there is a blessing. He told that for to Abraham from the beginning. Those that bless you, I will bless and those that curse you, I will curse. And the same blessing that is over Abraham's life, we have that same blessing is upon our life. So whoever blesses you, they're going to be blessed. They're going to be blessed. So the Bible teaches us the law of seed time and harvest or planting and harvest. Now, this is one of the foundational principles that God had put in place way back in Genesis 8.22 that governs the earth. What happens in the natural happens in the supernatural. So for every natural law there is a parallel spiritual law or a law of the kingdom of god and so one of the foundational laws is the law of seed time and harvest and so we talked about that and in the the when when we understand the principles of offerings the bible teaches us two things one is that you reap according to the type or the 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 the, the, the species of seed that you sow for instance if you sow Orange seed, what are you going to produce? Oranges. If you sow apple seeds, you're going to produce apples. You will always reap according to the species or the type of seed that you sow. I cannot sow jalapenos and expect tomatoes. That that's that just doesn't happen. And the Bible teaches us, it's in that principle. If you don't believe me, go back a few weeks and you can re-listen to our podcast and you can hear that. But the Bible specifically says that you will reap according to the type of seed you sow. So when we apply that in a spiritual sense, if you sow love, you're going to reap what? If you sow peace, you're going to reap. If you sow time, you're going to reap. If you sow peace, you're going to reap. Say it like you believe it. If you sow money, you're going to reap. Okay, that's, the, that's a foundational principle that governs the law of seed, time, and harvest. The second principle that we see that governs the law of seed, time, and harvest, the Bible says that those that, spare, that sow sparingly will reap sparingly. And those that sow generously will reap generously. So according to how you, 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 you sow, that's what you're going to reap. For instance, if I sow one apple seed, if I plant one apple seed, I'm not going to get an orchard. I'm going to get one tree. Yes, that tree will produce an abundance of fruit, but I can't plant one apple tree and think I'm going to have a whole orchard of trees. That's not how it works. If I want a whole orchard, I've got to plant a whole bunch of apple seeds. That's the kingdom of God at work. Those are the principles. And so the Bible says that when we sow generously, we are going to harvest or reap generously. And then a couple of weeks ago, we got into the third level of of generosity, and that is the level of worship. That is the the level of extravagant offerings. That is where we begin to give God a a, a different level, that we're not just looking for the loopholes, trying to give less. We are are actually trying to, to walk in generosity and demonstrate the heart of god so the offerings are seeds that we sow in the kingdom of god now I got this idea years ago listening or, or reading the word of God and I was reading about how God told Abraham, I want you to take your son Isaac to Mount Moriah and I want you to take him and I want you to sacrifice him back to me. Now Abraham was already over 100 years old by the time he he got his son Isaac and God asked him to give his son back. And the Bible says that he got up, he went to the place, he got to the, the foot of Mount Moriah and, he, and Abraham Abraham looks to his servants and say, stay here, and my son and I, we are going up to worship. And I remember reading that, and I said, wow, what you and I call sacrifice, Abraham called Worship and and the difference between an attitude or a mindset of sacrifice and worship is all about perspective. See, when we sacrifice our mindset or our attitude is I'm giving up something to God. When we worship is I'm offering up something for God. I'm I'm giving something to God. I'm offering something. I'm not giving something up. I'm saying, God, everything I have belongs to you. Everything I have comes from you. And that's what allowed Abraham to walk in that level of, of, of giving, that level of generosity, because he realized that if it would not be for God, he would have never had a son. Because by all accounts, he was already past childbearing age. He, uh, he There was no other, other way for him to have a son, to have a seed, to plant, and he recognized that if he had a son, it's because God had blessed him. So he understood that everything he had came from God. Could you imagine how our lives would change if we would stop and recognize that everything we have comes from him he is the provider he is the blesser and so abraham understood that everything he possessed came from god and belonged to god and that's why abraham was willing to give such an extravagant offering to god last a couple of weeks ago we talked about about david how david you know being a king gave up so much uh to to uh uh for, for the building of, of the temple, even even by a king's standard. And then his son Solomon, the Bible says that when he took the, the throne, it was required of him to, to, to uh, sacrifice one bull. But Solomon was so grateful and so uh, understood that if it was not for God, it wasn't about his dad, he understood it was for God. And when they said, well, Solomon, now that you take the throne, the law requires for you to sacrifice one bull, he says, how can I sacrifice one bull? When God has been so good to me. So I'm not just going to sacrifice one bull. I'm going to sacrifice a thousand bulls. And I'm sure the CEO and the CFO and the COO and the comptroller and accounts receivable and accounts payable. clerk They were like, what are you doing? That's going to bankrupt you. That's way too much. The law says only one bull. And here you want to go all extra. You want to go above board. It's because Solomon knew that everything he had came from God. He said, God's been so good to me, so I want to respond in kind. I want to respond. And he went above and beyond. And then we we also talked about the widow that gave two coins. And, and I love that story because this truly demonstrates the heart of God and the Bible teaches us that Jesus one day was sitting in the synagogue and he was watching the people bring in their offerings and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the the noblemen were coming in with all kinds of fanfare with all kinds of demonstrative displays of 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 generosity bringing in all kinds of bags of money and 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 wanting everybody to see how much they were giving and 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 the contrast of this this widow walks in and I'm sure she was probably embarrassed. I'm sure the enemy was thinking, really, that's all you're going to give? Look at how how much all these other people are giving and all you have is two coins. She was having to fight that that insecurity. She was having to fight that stigma of really, that's what you're going to offer to God, two coins. But the Bible says that's all she has. And she walks up and she gives it with all her heart when all of a sudden Jesus stops the whole show. He says, hey, I've got news for you. This lady gave more than all of you. And the religious Pharisees are like, what are you talking about? Didn't you see how many bags? Didn't you see how much gold? Didn't you see how how much money we brought? This lady only gave two coins. And what a perfect picture of God's heart. Because with God, it's not the quantity, it's the quality with the heart in which you give. That's what matters to God. And he stops it. He says, this lady has given more than all of you. I don't know about you, but to me that 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 falls in line with an extravagant gift or an extravagant offering she gave it all and there's another story that i want to talk about that tells us of another extravagant gift and it's found in john chapter 6 verse 12 i think or no john what 12 is it should be a 121 It says, six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor, and Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor because he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Verse 7, Jesus replied, Leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not. Always have me. And so here we have a, a very familiar story that gives us a graphic contrast of the two hearts, the, the 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 dichotomy between greed and generosity. We have the heart of Mary and the heart of Judas, a heart of generosity. And a heart of greed. And see, something that you have to know, that every time a heart of generosity tries to show up, let me tell you that greed will also rear its ugly head. We see that in the very beginning. The Bible says that Abel's sacrifice is still being resounded in heaven today. But what happened when Abel gave his sacrifice? The heart of greed, the heart of Cain showed up, and he felt jealous and envious at the way that God honored Abel's sacrifice. What an intriguing scenario that contrasts a generous heart with a greedy heart. See, oftentimes we read these Bible stories and and we think that, that these, these, these people are, are just some made-up mythological characters. But these were real people with real emotions, with real fears and real needs. Have you ever stopped, when you were reading the story, ever stopped to consider and wonder, what was it that moved Mary's heart to give such an extravagant gift to Jesus? Not only did she give it to Jesus, she took this very expensive perfume and she poured it on his feet of all places. Why did she give such an extravagant and generous gift to Jesus? The equivalent of an entire year's weight. A- and most theologians think that that what she gave was, was her inheritance. This was probably a family heirloom that, that had been passed down from generation to generation. The Bible says that this perfume was so expensive that it was the equivalent of a, a year's salary. Imagine, for, for you to get the idea of the... The magnitude and the extravagance of this gift. Imagine your total annual salary in one bottle of perfume. I don't know about you, but that better be some really good cologne, like where you don't even have to bathe or use deodorant. Like if if cologne costs that much, man, that 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 should do like over that should do everything. Moisturize, sanitize, like that's some expensive perfume. And I love how God points it out that, that this perfume was the value, the equivalent value of a whole annual's worth of salary. Now imagine taking that perfume and pouring it onto someone's feet. You're never going to get it back. It's been poured out. You can't put it back in the bottle. All of a sudden, it's all gone. Why would Mary do such an extravagant Act to Jesus. This was probably her inheritance, her legacy, all that she had, the most valuable possession, and here she was pouring it on Jesus' feet. Have you ever stopped to wonder, why did it bother Judas so much? It wasn't his money. It wasn't his perfume. isn't, Isn't that just like some people that you know, that have a problem because you give to God. Yeah, it probably happens in Del Rio, but not here in Eagle Pass. I don't know why you give that money to the church, and I don't know why you give that money to the pastor. I don't. Why, first of all, it's not your money. Mind your own business. But isn't it crazy how people feel they have a right to? an opinion of how you spend your money. It's not your money. And here Judas was, he was opining. Here he was, you know, throwing attitude. He was throwing shade because Mary is giving this expensive gift and it's not even his. What would cause him to feel entitled to be able to speak about that. See, wherever you find generosity, you will always find greed battling for for control. It was true in this story, and if we are honest with ourselves, it's probably even true in our own hearts. How many times has God not moved on us to give, and then all of a sudden, you know, you have the little angel, the little devil on each shoulder, saying, give, don't give, give, don't give. Yeah, but tomorrow's Pokeball Thursday. Like... Like, if you give now, like, you're not going to be able... It's Pokeball Thursday. And you have this. Every time you step out in generosity, greed is going to show up because that's just like the devil. It why would it matter to the devil you give or not? You would think the devil, like if giving didn't work to God, you would think like the devil would be like, yeah, give, 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 so you know that God is not faithful. You give so God does not provide. You give so that the principle, you'll see that the principles of God's word don't work. You would think that the devil would want you to give, but the reason why he battles in your heart so much with greed is because he knows that when you give, the Bible says that God will give back to you, shake down press down and running over if it didn't work the devil be like yeah give 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 it all just give it all but why do you think he's always trying to stop you from giving it's because he knows that when you give you activate the blessing of god on your life and each one of us has to look at ourselves. I, I, am I, am, am I generous or am I greedy? Which, which, which motivation has the control in my life? See, the root of greed is selfishness, but the root of generosity is selflessness. And there's an immense work of selfishness taking place in Judas's heart. And it comes out in his attitude about Mary's offering. Here he is like God indignant. You've got to understand that when you walk in generosity, those people that have greed in their hearts are always going to have a problem with when you give. It could be your husband or it could be your wife. It could be your neighbor, your compadre, your comadre. Every time you step out and give, Greed is always going to show up. Greed is always going to try to expose. Why? Because generosity always exposes greed. And the moment you try to show some generosity, you're going to find out who the greedy people are. And here Mary is giving such an extravagant gift. And all of a sudden, the greed in Judas's heart, he, he can't contain himself. He is he, he is he is having Pavlovs, right? He, he's, he's salivating at this. He's like, man, what I could do with that. Look at what he says in John chapter 12, verse 6. He says, Not that he cared for the poor, he was a thief. Like this dude didn't care about the poor. He would, he would steal from, he probably stole from his mama. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus, he didn't care about the poor. He was a thief. He pretended to be thinking about others while he was really thinking of no one but himself. And this is a tactic that many others down through history have imitated. It is the oldest cover-up for selfishness known to man. See, even in the church, greed often masks itself with a false spirituality. And this false spirituality manifests itself in very different but very similar ways and similar comments. Let me see if some of these sound familiar. How could anyone in good conscience drive a car that expensive? The religious greed, heart shows up like, you know what they could do? Why? Why don't they? Why? Why don't they sell that car? You know how many families they could feed, or why do they have to live in a house that big? You know how many people that they could feed? You know how many? How much the poor they could help? Or how? How, how about this one? She sure could have helped a lot of people for what she spent on that purse. All the Louis are like. There, criticizing what, uh, what other people spend their money on, it's not your business. But you see how oftentimes a greedy heart is masked by this false spiritual piety. This false spiritual what you're really saying, I can't believe she has it, and I don't. My mom was right, I should not have married this bozo. <laughs> Aquí estoy manteniendo la casa y ella con su con su Louis. She probably got out the pulga. Right? What about, man, I sure could do a lot of good with the money they spent on that. And you even hear it from, from, from people in the media when you see all of these mega churches and pastors and all these things. They never highlight the good that they do. Why do they have to have a building so big? Could you imagine if Joel Osteen just would have had a humble church? You, you know how much money he paid for the compact center? You know how many people he could feed? How do you know that he's not feeding a lot of people? Because they're never going to tell you the good. People just want to criticize I know that doesn't happen here, but in other places it does. And these remarks are nothing more than pure selfishness, greed, and jealousy masked as religious piety. And that's exactly what was going through Judas's mind in his head that day. He saw a year's wages being wasted. That in his mind that's what he saw. He didn't see it as an extravagant gift of honor or love of Jesus. He thought it was wasted. And let me tell you, people when they see you give to God and they see you give to church, they think you're wasting your money. And that's what Judas was thinking. Like this was a waste. How could she do that? How could she, she do that? Do Judas was like man, what I, I wish she could have sold that and I would have that money in the treasury so I could steal from. Because Judas was, he was the church treasurer for Jesus's ministry. And the money box he carried around held all of the offerings to, that people gave to support Jesus' ministry. And in turn, Jesus would use that money to bless other people and Judas was stealing from it. Of course, we think, man... The nerve, the gall of this guy stealing from Jesus. We can't imagine anyone having the nerve to steal from the man. But remember when we talked about the first level of generosity, obedience and tithing, we saw that God rebuked the people, those who are robbing him or cheating him in the tithes and offering. Is it possible that just as Judas was stealing from Jesus by taking out of the box, we have been guilty of robbing him by failing to put into the box what is rightfully his in the first place. And I know it sounds hard, but it's very easy for Christians to operate much more like Judas than Mary. You know what? One of the questions I get all the time, see, the the root of greed is selfishness, and the root of generosity is selflessness. And, 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 and I know I'm probably going to step on some people's callos here today. When well, we got your bunion sanded down. But people ask me, Pastor, do I tithe out of the net or the gross? You know what that tells me? Is you're looking for a loophole to give less. That shows me that there's a greedy heart. Because you're not looking to give more. See, when you have a generous heart, you're not looking to give less. You're looking for opportunities to give more. And understand, I know a lot of people have that sincere question. But when, when, when you bring it out, you're really, you're, what you're really exposing is, is you're looking for a loophole. You're hoping. I'll say, no, you know what? Give off of the net. And I know a lot of pastors give you that can't answer. Well, do you want a net blessing or a gross blessing? Yes, and that's true. But that's what I see. So, so let's look at the fruit of a greedy heart because every heart produces fruit, a greedy heart and a, and a generous heart. See, the root of greed is selfishness. So a greedy heart will often ask, what's in it for me? Or what do I get out of this? And Judas was probably following Jesus for what he thought Jesus could do for him. See, Judas was a, a member of the, Roman, uh, the anti-Roman zealot party. Uh, they, they were the ones trying to plot an overthrow of the Roman Empire. And he thought that Jesus was going to come and throw over the oppressive Roman Empire. So he was probably looking for a prominent position in the kingdom. And it appears that Jesus was following, that Judas was following Jesus based on the idea of what could, what, what's in it for me? What can I get out of this? But the moment that he realized that Jesus had a different idea and a different plan, that Jesus wasn't going to come through in the way that he Behold, what happened? Judas betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. Of course, that's not too different from what many people do today. They follow God for the same reason. Instead of being focused on what they can do for him, they're looking at God like this, a spiritual ATM that you can just put in the, the right prayer and the right, the right pin number and you can get every blessing and every miracle and every, and, and every, every breakthrough that, that you want. But as soon as God disappoints them, when He doesn't come through for them in the way that they want, what do they do? They get upset, they quit coming to church and they leave God. See, let me tell you, the Bible tells us that God's ways are higher than our ways, that God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Let me tell you, God will work things out, but he will never work it out according to your ways or to your thoughts. He's doing something way greater than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. God is going to work it out the best way for you, but that's what disappointment is when expectation and reality don't line up, and God is not always going to match your expectation. He will match his principle and his promise, but he will not always match your expectation. And so selfishness by its very nature cares about nothing and no one but self. A selfish person will sell out his or her friends if it will help the person get what he or she wants. You know, I was thinking about this past week, I saw someone put a meme on something that tag your family member that you would sell for like a million dollars. I know some of y'all put your sisters, your brother, like, you put like, sorry, dude, you're out. Like, if that was a thing, I'm sure Judas would have done that. See, a selfish person will always, always find a good reason not to give. Not to be generous. A selfish heart will always find a reason. If you're looking for a reason not to give, if you're looking for a reason not to be generous, let me tell you, you're not going to have to go looking very far. The works of the flesh and the enemy will always be there. Greed is always going to be there to give you a reason not to give. And that's exactly what Judas did. Hey, don't blow that expensive perfume on Jesus. We can turn it into cash and give money to the poor. As Judas did, selfishness tries to get the focus off of the selfish one and onto the extravagance of others. Selfishness drives by nice houses and criticizes other people's blessings. I know y'all don't do that, but in Del Rio, that happens. I can't believe there. That's such a big house. Who needs oh my that's what a waste. That's such a, a big house or why would they have such a big car? A selfish person drives by nice houses and criticizes other people's blessings. Selfishness always looks after self by pointing at someone else. But a generous heart is different. Why? Because a generous heart is a blessed heart. And a blessed person has a different perspective on other people's blessings or possessions. I see a blessed person sees someone prosperous and they don't get jealous or envious. They don't start, you know, throwing shade and drinking that Haterade. They take it as a testimony. Y'all like that, right? I practiced that all week. I'm waiting for more. No, just kidding. The less claps I get, the longer I take. (laughs) You're like... All right. All right, let's pray to be dismissed. Pray one day you'll get a real serious pastor that you all deserve but until then you got me all right so a blessed person doesn't see someone's blessing with je- with jealousy or or envy they take it as a testimony of what is possible about what God can do for them. See, when I hear about people getting raises, when I hear about people getting promotions, when I hear about people expanding and buying new houses and, and opening businesses, I don't, I don't hate, I don't throw shade. What I do is like, man, I serve the same God, and if God did it for them, I know that God can do it for me. I look at what is possible but you're so busy throwing shade and drinking that Haterade that you're missing out what God can do for you. See, a blessed person sees things differently. When you are blessed, you walk differently, you talk differently, you act differently, you rejoice with those who rejoice, and you are blessed when other people are blessed. And, and, and even when, when I hear about pastors and, and they tell me about all the amazing things at their church, and I hear about pastors say, man, they, they donated 10 acres of land. They donated 8 acres of land. They've given us vans. They've given us buses. I don't be like, why them, God? No. I rejoice. I'm like, man, if God did it for them, I know he can do it for Access Church. I see it as a testimony. So, when you see people getting blessed, don't hate. Begin to praise. Amen. That's the God that I serve. And if He did it for them and they're bozos, they can do it for me. Well, don't say, leave that part out. I wasn't supposed to say the quiet part out loud, but I'm going to close with this. Let's see if He gets it. You ever thought to wonder, who gave Judas the responsibility? Oh, he did. Erica's like, babe, bozo. Oh, no, you don't call him bozo. I do, right, Erica? Okay. Yeah, you do, just not out loud. You ever thought to wonder, who gave Jesus? You did go tell her, right, look, she got up out of her seat. I owe you. Who gave Judas the responsibility to be the ministry treasurer? Jesus did. You think Jesus didn't know this dude had money issues and greed in his heart that he was a thief? Of course he did. So why would Jesus do that? Because we will always be tested in the area of our weakness. As a matter of fact, just as Judas, the guy with the weakness for money and prestige was given responsibility over the treasury. God will sometimes give you responsibility in the area of your weakness. See, sometimes you take on that position, that, that, that area of ministry in the church and all, all hell breaks loose and you're blaming everybody else and it's just God testing the weakness of your heart. He says, I want to see how you treat people. You're so good at, well, the pastor should do this, and the pastor should have done that, and the pastor, okay, let's see what you got. I know that don't happen here, but in other churches. Well, if I was a pastor. But God will always put you in places to test, test the areas of weakness. And you may think, why would God do that? Is God setting us up to fail? No, actually he's setting us up to succeed. See, the only way we can truly succeed is by confronting our weaknesses and overcoming them. See, when God gives you some responsibility in the area of your weakness, he's taking you through a growth process necessary for your success. Look at what Paul writes, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. Man, just meditate on that for a moment. I love Paul says, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so you can endure. Just... As the scripture we just read, you have never experienced a temptation that you did not have everything that you needed within you to resist. But God will put us in those places to turn our areas of greatest potential for defeat into our area of greatest victory. And that is why Jesus gives a thief responsibility for the money and in doing so he gives him an opportunity to overcome his selfishness and greed but that's not what judas did because money is a bigger test than you think remember we talked about the tithe as a test why do you think god uses money as a test rather than anything because money matters you know what there are family members that don't talk because of money Business partners that don't talk because of money. Marriages break up because of money. Money matters. Money's, money's important. In fact, the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. So God uses the tithe and money as a test because money matters. And God wants to test the loyalty of our heart and the faithfulness of our heart and the gratitude of our heart through how. We utilize our money. In fact, I love what Pastor Robert Morris writes in his book, The Blessed Life. He said, it is vital that you understand this truth. The extent of the responsibility you will have in the kingdom is directly proportionate, proportional to how you handle money. That's what the whole parable of the talents is. Look what it says in Luke 16, 11 through 12. If then you haven't been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will entrust you with true riches? and if you haven't been trustworthy with someone else's property who will give you your own remember when king solomon was given that that blank check by god where god said hey I'll give you anything that you ask for. Why did he do that? Because he saw that Solomon didn't have a greedy heart. He had a generous heart. He tested him. And Solomon overcame the test. And he proved. And he knew that he could trust Solomon to ask for anything. Solomon wasn't going to ask for more wives. He already had 300. No sé cómo lo hace, pero... He didn't ask for more money. He didn't ask for more wealth. He didn't ask for more fame. God was able to trust him with that blank check request. Saying, Solomon, ask me anything. Because God knew. Man, this guy's not greedy. It's like when one of your, your sons or your daughters does something kind and generous, when you say, mijo, that's my son. When, when they act up, you look at your husband like, that's your kid. That's your son. That's Es tu hijo. But when they do something, they're like, oh, he's just like mama. Yeah. And I'm sure that God looked at Solomon when he did that. Oh, Michael, he's got his daddy's heart. I'm going to ask him whatever he wants because he knew that he could trust him enough that he wasn't going to ask for himself. And sure enough, Solomon didn't prove him wrong when he gave Solomon that blank check request. He said, Ask me anything, and I will give it to you. I won't hold anything. Solomon says, God, give me wisdom. I want to be the best king that I can be for your honor and glory. And that's what this principle teaches us. If you've been trustworthy with the little things... God can give you much. He says, and if you haven't been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you your own? See, you are being tested right now, and the reward for passing the test is true riches. But what are true riches? True riches are people, the privilege of seeing those you love saved, made whole, and growing in God. True riches are the words of knowledge, gifts of healing, faith and miracles that minister to people. True riches are being able to help others who have spent their entire lives in bondage to depression. Oppression, experience freedom for the first time. True riches are people, our souls. See, when you give to God. You're investing in people's lives, investing. That's what I love about Access Church because we never charge for conferences. Yes, you had to pay your $25, but that only covered the cost of your shirt. If you didn't get a shirt, you didn't have to pay. Why? So because when you give to Access Church, we bless people. You know, when we fed almost 700 people at Worship Under the Stars, we didn't charge for the tacos. We had people from other churches like, how much for the tacos? We're like, nothing. No, like for real, for real. Like, how much? Because every church charges. No, access church, we don't charge. See, when you give to God, you're not not just going to get a return in the the type of seed you sow, but you're going to see the true riches. What are true riches? People's lives change and transform. And we have seen that in our Del Rio campus, in our Eagle Pass campus, people that were, that were messed up, that were jacked up from the back up and tore up from the floor up and wrecked up from the neck up. I went back to my, my rapping days. Your pastor used to be hood. I know I don't look like, I'm bougie hood, but I was hood. Thank you and we've seen god do a work in their lives let me tell you when you give that's what you get to see people blessed we had ladies that didn't even go to church coming and they got blessed they got healed some of them got saved that's what true riches are See, Mary came to Jesus with a heart overflowing with gratitude and love. After all, it was Jesus that raised her brother from the dead. That love and gratefulness translated itself into worship through an extravagant gift of value and sacrifice. In the same way, you and I, every week, we get to show God how full of gratitude and love in our hearts that we have for him. But let's take this heart test. Number one, we've already said that Abel's offering is still resounding in heaven. Let me ask you this. What do your offerings say about your heart levels of gratitude and love for God? What is being said in heaven or declared in heaven about your offerings? See, we saw from the beginning that Cain hated Abel because greed and generosity can never coexist. But generosity is greater than greed. What do your offerings say about you? Number two, what do your spending habits say about what's truly important to you on this earth? What is heaven saying about your offering? What does God say when you go by the, you see the cash app, the text to give, or you go by the giving box? Does God look and say, oh, that's mija. She's got her daddy's heart. Because God has a heart to give. The Bible says in John 3.16, For God so loved, he gave. There was a famous missionary, his name was Juan Romero, wrote an amazing hymns. But he wrote a poem about not being able to outgive God. And there's a line in that poem. So, so many powerful things about giving. But there's a line in that poem. And, and he wrote it in Spanish. It's been translated to English. But he says this, That you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Giving is the natural outward expression of love. And if we say we love God, then we're not going to have a problem in giving when God says, I need you to give. But you know what's amazing is that when we give, God will always give back to us, pressed down, shaken together, and running over because God is good. Will you stand today? Thank you. If, if you don't clap more, I'm going to keep going. All right. I'm hungry pastor. Amen. You know what? God has been so good. Can I can I share this testimony? I don't know if they're here, but this young man came and told me. It's another one I'm making up. Inside joke. He said, Pastor, I got to tell you this. They're new to the church. They've been here maybe a few months. But the moment they came in, they're already serving in media. Like, I remember walking up there and I'm like, who are these people? I've never seen them in my life. And they're up there touching my computer. I'm like, beautiful young couple. And this past week, I got to talk to them. And he's like, Pastor, I got to tell you, you've been talking about giving. Let me tell you, we, we wanted a, my goal was to save $15,000 by the end of the year so that we can buy a house I think that's what he said I was so excited I can't remember all the details anyway I make him up so he said but here we are almost at the end of the year and and I look and and we haven't been able to do that but we've been giving we've been doing what what you're teaching us and let me tell you pastor I gotta tell you I just got a $15,000 raise not making it up they're here in this room right now. And I told you know, I'm going to talk about that on Sunday. He goes, yeah, go ahead. So I got permission. But that's what God does. The principles of God never fail. And you're thinking like, God, I could use a raise. Well, you know what? Don't get, don't get jealous. Receive it as a testimony of what's possible. Because the same God that did that for them is the same God that can do it for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you because you are a generous God. And I believe that we are never more like you than when we give. I believe that the greatest outward expression of love we could ever have in our devotion and our service to you is to give, give of our time, to give of our talents, and also of our treasure. Because giving is what you do. And giving is who we are. Lord, and we just thank you because you are faithful. God, and I pray that you would, God, just continue to challenge us, to test us, to step out, to take those steps of faith, to take that leap of faith, to trust you enough to know that your word is true. And you always, always accomplish what your word says out to do. And we love you and we thank you because you are a generous God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those who have given to support this ministry. Without you, none of this is possible. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe and share it on social media. Thank you for listening. God bless you.